What is up, everybody? Welcome to the church split. My name is Will. This is Brian. What's up, guys? And you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and perhaps learn a few things, and of course, unite the divided body. Today, you are joining us in our very first YouTube live stream, because the RFP family meetup does not count in Michigan. That was a straight up streamed. <laughs> so this is our first episode yeah. where we have a live audience that is chatting over there on the computer. Uh, just so you guys know, Brian will be peeking at that from time to time. I hope the audio levels are good. If they're not good, please notify us, um, because I do believe we balance it out properly. So. Uh, with that being said, guys, uh, we will be taking a Q&A at the end. It can be about this topic or about any other topic. And if I don't know, I'll, we'll say we we'll don't make know. something up. We'll make something <laughs> up. Exactly. Then take it the way you're supposed to. You will get live heresy from us tonight. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, guys, if you haven't already, like and subscribe to the Church Split. Um, also, check out the merch store. But Brian, you had a you had a big day yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, I got a little bit older. A little bit older. How, how old are you? 56? <laughs> I'm 36. 36. Okay. That was like two two years off. It's fine. I'm old enough to be president, so. Hey! So <laughs> That's not a formal announcement. <laughs> uh, you would win simply by your meme game alone. <laughs> People would be like, I don't know who this guy is, but I like his memes. So, uh, yeah, Brian had his birthday yesterday, so we stayed out last night, partied hardy, had some amazing steak. Thank you, Stacy, for taking us all out to dinner. So, But you got a sweet t-shirt shirt in that whole birthday thing. I did. Want, want to show it off? It says, uh, what's the top thing says? It says, um, oh, hobbies include, and it says debating theology with strangers on the internet. And I thought this was the perfect shirt to wear for tonight. And is, is he punching the phone? It looks like he's already punched the phone. Yeah, it looks like it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wearing my Darwinism leads to racism hoodie. It'll be a good time. Uh, time to... Time to uh, start triggering people already. So, all right, guys, today we are talking about the, a biblical approach to modesty. And this is one of those topics I've wanted to cover for a while, but one of those ones that I kind of put on the back burner. Yeah. And I, I think it's because there's so many other issues we wanted to cover. This has been covered more thoroughly by other people in the RFP network. Check it out if you haven't already. But this is one of those things that other people have covered, and I thought individual soul liberty, like, what is that, our second episode? Yeah, I it was like, number two. Yeah, I felt like that covered this pretty well, so I was like, okay, whatever. That's there as a resource as, as what the liberty of the believer is. However, we did want to cover this as we are shifting more and more toward a theology and apologetics focus way, going back against progressive Christianity and a lot of those other things that we are actually yeah. really passionate about. Yeah. So let's uh, jump in here a little bit. So let's talk about modesty. And I think churches regularly seem to push modesty, but it seems they all regular, regularly also disagreed how this should be applied. Because no matter which church group you're part of, modesty has a different feel. Yeah, and it's, it stretches all the way across from the IFB to the progressive church. I mean, there's just so many different approaches to it, and it seems like some people have a good handle on it, and but most don't. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, yeah, it's like either certain churches, it's like we don't, we never even heard of the word modesty. What's modesty? Let's have all our body parts hanging out. And then other places are like they're so paranoid about one thing being yeah. being seen or sexualized. Well, anything being seen that they actually sexualize simple things that shouldn't be sexualized. And it's just there's uh, there's either an obsession. Or there's not enough focus. <laughs> well, let's be fair, too. There's a lot of, like, American Christian church culture that's kind of built around this as what's kind of acceptable things to wear to church, like wear your Sunday best and everything else. And there's just a lot of that that's not really derived from Scripture. It's just kind of a cultural thing that the American church has developed over time. Exactly. And I've seen um, Pentecostals uh, really emphasize this. When I was at Crown College, um, this was majorly emphasized, same with Fairhaven. But then there's other places like... Uh, I forget what it was. Oh, yeah, the, like the Nazarenes uh, will push this. And then if you really get into, like, I mean, the Amish community, right? I mean, the Amish community and the, the Mennonites, I mean, they have – there's a lot of this topic, and it, it yeah. confuses a lot of people. So we're approaching a topic here of the Christian life that does split churches. Yeah. Because certain people are literally kicked out of churches for – modesty issues yeah uh I, and I remember looking down on people when i was going to church growing up if someone walked in church with our with jeans on i was like well that's not appropriate and <laughs> it's like and i didn't grow up ifb that, that was that was a christian uh, christian reformed church so i think a lot of churches have just different dress standards that they that they push either by just 
um, just pressure that just kind of that's the unspoken rule or they actually have platform standards and sanctuary standards and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, one story I've told many times but uh, in church, we were about ready to sing a song and uh, that we had prepared with a friend of ours. Our friend had been going to church all summer from a divorced home. She bought a dress just for the occasion because she knew women had to wear dresses on the platform, but it was a little bit above the kneecap. And five minutes before she sang, she was actually told she had to change and she never came <laughs> back to church. And I literally have no idea what's going on with her to this day. That's too bad. So it's a big deal. And definitely a topic that the church split should tackle. So let's do this. So, um, uh, so honestly, with this episode, I would highly recommend you guys also checking out Individual Soul Liberty, our second episode or whatever. I think our mic was, we were recording out of a tin can with like a string on it at the time. We are still figuring things out. Yeah, so, <laughs> but check it out. It's, a, it's just me walking through the text and explaining it. What, way more teachy-teachy than um, what we do now, which is a lot more combative and bantery. We're combative? We're not good. <laughs> no. I'm not combative. You're combative. That's uh, true. <laughs> so anyway, so many have lots of strange ideas of this, and sometimes it seems that if uh, a woman is even attractive, let's say, because a lot of times modesty is geared to, against women, right? Uh, women are the ones who oftentimes get it, mainly because men tend to be uh, lustful toward women, and they like to blame women for being lustful. It's a whole thing. But uh, it's, it's a strange thing, because it seems like even if it, it's really geared toward attractive women, yeah. and in my experiences in different types of churches, a lot of times people would say a woman was immodest and you'd look and you're like, not really. She's just attractive. And because she's attractive, they're like, she's immodest because she's prettier than me. <laughs> Talk about a, a subjective standard like, oh, she's hot. Okay, that's immodest. Yeah. It's like, no, that's on you. <laughs> well, I, actually, I had somebody message me and they put it a great way because when we say that, well, men can't control themselves. And when I look at a woman, all I do is lust at her if she's attractive. Then it makes all the other women, the reason why the other women go after the other women is because they're afraid that that woman is going to, that hot woman is going to lead their husbands astray with her hotness. So it's very backwards and strange. And let's know. face it, if men really can't control themselves, then, then marriage is doomed. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're screwed. You're screwed. Because I think you and I both know that. You and I both experienced that once you got married, suddenly that's when uh, women paid attention to you. And you're like, I'm married now, so why are you talking? <laughs> for me, it was mostly men started paying attention to me, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> that's a whole other topic for another time. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into this. First things first, um, modesty is important to God. And I just realized I said first things first, and now I'm thinking of nothing but that little video. <laughs> Dance for us, Will. Dance for us. <laughs> if you've seen it, you Y'all don't know, but he's about. being immodest below the shirt here, so he really shouldn't stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about working behind a desk is I get to wear my underwear, bro. Um, Put in the chat what you think Will's wearing. <laughs> Why would you do that? You know they're going to. Look at that. They're I can't wait. <laughs> I already see the chat. The bing, 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 bing. I am worried. Okay. Never put that out on the internet, bro. Okay. So, 1 Timothy. Let's jump into 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. It says, Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So there's a lot of things in this verse that we could dissect and jump into. But first off, uh, when it says, uh, right here, when it says orderly, this right here, or proper, it's cosmos. It is, or cosmios in the Greek. It means orderly. So proper is meaning orderly. So whatever she's doing here, she must be doing it in an orderly fashion. Okay. And now I, that is why that's, that sounds widely subjective because that's a very vague term, mm -hmm. but I think this is where culture applies. And this is where I, I always oftentimes reference contextualizing the text to your time period, because clearly uh, braided hair and stuff has a different connotation today than it did back then. Yeah. And we were even talking about this at dinner that, that a lot of people believe that when they're talking about braided hair, it actually talks about braiding like gold strands into one's hair. So it's really trying to be like a status symbol and show off your wealth. It's not just saying that you braided your hair with hair. Right. And then uh, the clothing here is uh, catastale, which is apparel or garment. And so that's important to understand. And then modesty here is idos or idos from the root word meaning ashamed. So it means modesty toward men or reverence toward God. 
So this is really dealing with a hard issue. So when you're really looking at this, saying, hey, do it orderly, do it in a way that is respectable to God and to others. And when he's mentioning these things, also notice how he says, with soundness of mind or self-control, which uh, in the Greek is exactly what that means, self-control. So a couple things I wanted to mention about the verse and, the, and its structure here. First off, it says, likewise. So what was he talking about what, that he has to compare likewise to? Well, likewise, also women. Yes, likewise, also women. So this was coming right off the part where he was talking about uh, after discussing prayer. So he's like, hey, this is prayer. This is how to humble yourself before God in prayer. Likewise, also women with your dress, be humble and in order. So this is coming off and following that same text, which means it still applies to, to the men as well, because he's saying likewise, if you're going to humble yourself, humble yourself properly, dress yourself modestly. And remember, a lot of times Paul and others is writing to very specific issues in that church. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why in one, one church he's like, women, shut up. <laughs> and then another one he's like, all right, this is just what I'm going to point out here. Men, why aren't you doing this? Also, mother-in-law, why, why are you sleeping with your mother-in-law? Like, so he's dealing with specific issues here. And apparently, in this particular church, they struggled with modesty. But it's not the way we think of modesty either. So the focus here is not about particular body parts. You're right. It doesn't say ankles or knees or anything. <laughs> it doesn't say ankles, knees, breasts, shoulders. Uh, like, what is it? It talks about, about hair. That's it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Um, and it's because in the first century Jewish context, hair was a modesty issue. Mm -hmm. um, it, the way we would think of almost like showing, showing your body parts. So it, I find that to be interesting, right? So what does it say here? The focus is not about particular body parts as a good standard, but rather an issue of the heart being an orderly, structured, self-control, and sound mind. Yeah. Which means if I'm humbling myself before God, I want to reflect myself before God a certain way. Right? Yeah. So, uh, and then he brings the focus, brings it in here, to those who profess godliness, telling them not to be focused on their outward appearances as everyone else. Why? Well, to not draw unneeded attention to yourself, not making it about pride or vanity. That's what this is about not make it about pride or vanity. And we have shifted it into meaning modesty means only about protecting from lust. Yeah. Talk about not focusing on what you're wearing. And, and our response as a Christian church is, okay, let's focus a lot on what we're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope, you missed it. It went right over your head. Yeah, literally Paul's like, stop worrying about what you're wearing all the time. Stop worrying about what you're wearing all the time. And the Christian church is like, you know what that means? We must definitely worry about what we're wearing all the time. <laughs> What are you doing? Um, so then when it goes on here, so notice the braided hair, gold, pearls, costly attire. These are literally status symbol, symbols in the ancient first century. If you wore these things, it meant I'm rich, I have status, I'm important, I'm a somebody, not a nobody, pay attention to me, treat me better, because look at how I'm dressed. Mm-hmm. Which, if I wanted to apply this and contextualize it, this verse could, one could actually argue, goes directly against the concept of wearing your Sunday best. Uh-oh. <laughs> or platform standards. You need to wear a suit and tie. Why? Because you got to look your best before God because you want people to know you're somebody before God, not a nobody. You want to make sure that this place looks amazing. Everyone's looking at you. Care about what you look at like. Yeah, because you want to be treated better. And James is pretty clear that we're not to show partiality because God doesn't show partiality. And just think about it. I mean, challenge to challenge you guys. I, like I already said, I, in my, at least my heart, I don't know if I outwardly ever did it, but I was treating people differently based on what they're wearing at church. Have you ever done that too? Have you treated someone nicer because they came in with a nice suit or a nice dress? Or did, they, or did you treat them poorly because they had a ball cap on and they had a hole in their jeans and maybe look like they, you know, maybe they just didn't care when they put any clothes on this morning. Oh, they have PJs on. What's up with that? That's irreverent. And like, no, no, you're being irreverent. Right. You're showing partiality. And, uh, and, he, and James actually talks about that specifically about how people are addressed and how people look, you know, when the poor come in, if you put them to the side because he looks poor. Um, in fact, so I wear a suit and tie most every day at work, uh, you know, being in finance. 
I wear a suit and tie almost every day to work, and I will tell you, when I am dressed casually, I get treated differently than when I'm wearing a suit. When I walk in and wear yeah. a suit, I'm like, hey, how are you? They're like, oh, good, how are you doing, sir? It's a very different dynamic. Because that's a cultural standard and a cultural norm. Yeah, exactly. It's wearing the braided hair or the costly attire. And he's saying, hey, don't do that in the house of God. Don't, you shouldn't be worried about that, trying to get impress anybody. That's not what this is for. This is church. This is the body of Christ. And so the idea of status, by the way, is dealing with a focus on money as well. I want you guys to understand that. So when he's talking about this is somebody showing off their wealth, and the Bible is very particular about if, if you make money, it's not sinful. But if you're showing off your money, it's a problem. Now it's a pride issue. Exactly. So, which is why later in chapter 6, verse 10 of the same book, he says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Because a lot of these things stem from that. I mean, why do you think whenever you're trying to figure out what's moral, what's not, is someone lying to you, is someone not, one of the biggest phrases people say is follow the money. And think about, too, you know, we're in America, right? So some things we just don't even think about. And this isn't me getting on a progressive soapbox here, but there are people that I know personally that have scraped together money so that they could just get a suit so they could wear it to church so they didn't stand out. So they felt like they were following the, the rules, the guidelines. And I can guarantee you God did not care. God was, was not wanting them to forego a meal so that they could have a $400 suit so they could look okay at church. God does not care about what you're wearing. He cares about what's in your heart. And you are not going to be godly because of what you wear. Also, I, I've, even if you, that hundred, two, three, four hundred dollars on a suit that you're paying. So, okay, if I'm a mechanic, all right, I wear like blue, blue uniform all day covered in grease. I have very little use for a suit, right? I just do. So if I have very little use for a suit, I might own one for weddings and funerals or some other special occasion. I own one. Yeah, you own one. Can you fit in it? And a spark. Yeah, I wore it last night. I kind of fit in it. I kind of fit in it. COVID was not nice to me. <laughs> We're going to blame it on the COVID? I blame it on the COVID. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when you think about that, it's, okay, so this person, why would he want to buy all this stuff for, to be able to be in church? Yeah. Should we not show just as much honor to the mechanic or the fast food worker? with their budgets and their, uh, their particular field as much as we would the doctor or the lawyer. Yeah. Just a thought. This all stems from, by the way, like a 19, very 19, early 1900s view of the world. And that's just, it's cultural and it's not helpful. So the idea of status is dealing with a focus on money. So that's, that's the point here. Uh, we shouldn't be flaunting it. The idea is we, that we shouldn't be trying to dress to impress. Rather, we should try to worship God. One of the best parts about my church at Frontline is that everyone dresses differently. They dress how they feel. One of my best friends there, you know Paul. Paul shows up every week wearing the same sandals that he wore when he got married. Yes, he got married in his sandals. It's kind of awesome. My man. He wears shorts and a t-shirt. And then there's me, who I'm usually wearing a collared shirt and a nice pair of jeans. That's usually, you know, that's my go-to kind of outfits. Uh, then you look around, people wearing shorts. Uh, Dave Gruby might be wearing a nice blazer. Uh, Pastor John's usually wearing like a collared shirt. We just have people of all sorts of stuff. We, and no one really feels awkward. Because you're not trying to draw attention to yourself based right. on what you're wearing. Exactly. Uh, Mike and Julia said it was weird at first when they... Because they're like, what's the dress code? When they were first asking, I was like, there isn't one. Just dress nicely. You know, or not dress nicely. Just be presentable. You know, please cover up your parts. But otherwise, nobody cares. And then they were kind of mentioned like, oh, that's kind of cool. So and now they go in T-shirts, which is great. So Yeah, the first time I wore jeans to church was at Door Baptist a few years ago, and that felt weird. I was like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to put a dress shirt on. I need to put dress pants on. I need to, and it was almost really a pride issue, right? I was like, oh, I need to, I need to look the part. I need to look like church, and that's not what church looks like. Yeah, and meanwhile, it really didn't look like it in Acts. And door is funny because we're at Door Baptist, where I used to pastor and where you still attend. That uh, it's a country church. Mm -hmm. Most of the people work at, like this. There used to be when I first got there, a ton of the people there before the church splits worked in the concrete business. They work in concrete, bro. When he, if they show up in a polo, you're like, dang, son, you dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, so it's just way too much focus on what you're dressing as. And so that's what he's talking about here. Yeah. Um, modest here is not referring to knee-length skirts and things along that nature or women wearing pants. It's referring to being unassuming, small, 
like this is a modest house or I have a modest budget. Somehow we have let this mean certain clothes entirely or just body parts. And that's not what this means when it's referring to modesty. Then the next verse is 1 Peter chapter 3, 3 through 4 that we wanted to talk about. It says, and this is going to sound very similar, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold, jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Hmm. Sounds like God cares about your heart here. This is a heart issue. The imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Oh. That does not sound like a platform standard to me. Bummer. So yeah, right here, it's very clear. Then this echoes the very same concept in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, which many of you guys are very familiar with. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So we look at the outward. God looks on the inward. So when you're making yeah. modesty all about the outward, the outward, the outward, the outward, you are skipping the main step. Wasn't, what was that quote that you had today? You had a good oh, yeah. One. So I was saying that um, I texted to Will earlier. I was just thinking about this tonight. And my point was beauty, nice clothes, floor-length dress, or a plunging neckline that goes down to your belly button, you know, all these things don't do. They don't make, they don't make you godly. They're not promoting godliness. They're promoting self. Either you're promoting your body as something that you like, look at me, check out my figure, I want everyone to look at me, or you're promoting your clothing and saying, look how ugly I am, look how unassuming I am, look at just, I'm wearing this nice suit, because I'm fitting in. It's all about me. And that is not a substitute for godliness. There's no point in the New Testament. You, you look at the New Testament, you look at everything that Jesus is saying. Look what Paul's saying. Um, people aren't getting complimented on how they look. People aren't getting complimented for what they do. They're getting complimented for their faith. Jesus is, when he's complimenting people, he say, that's your faith. He's complimenting your faith. He's complimenting your heart. And you're not doing that when you're trying to dress so that people look at you. Either look at you to gawk at your body or look at you to go, oh, good job. They're so, they're so righteous because they followed the rules. They followed our platform standard. I can guarantee you Jesus does not care. Yeah, that's not the point, right? So it, neither one of those make you, makes you more godly. It's, the, it's a matter of the heart. If your heart's not in the right place, nobody cares about what you're doing outwardly, right? For example, if I am forced to do something against my will, that doesn't suddenly make it like, oh, yeah, well, I told Will to do the moral thing, but I held a gun to his head to make him do it. Does that mean I get moral brownie points? Nope. No, because my heart's not in it. So this all comes down from the heart. The heart is a big issue here. So um, is there anything you wanted to mention on those two parts, or do we want to move ahead? Move ahead, because now my mic's falling down. Mike is falling. And see, this is the part in the live stream <laughs> that we don't get to edit out. Yep. So Sorry, you get to see that. Oh, uh, for shame. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst thing that happens tonight. I call it a success. <laughs> <laughs> so I also did some digging on some things in Shabbat, which is a Jewish source. And now the, the Judaism has a very broad and multiple views of modesty. Yep. But I thought there was a quote on here that was actually really good. And so I wanted to read this because I thought this put it perfectly. So when we're talking about exactly how to be modest. So, okay, we agree. Don't flaunt your, flaunt your status. Don't show partiality. It's a matter of the heart. If your heart's right, your outward appearance will probably reflect your heart, right? The inward reflects the outward. The outward doesn't change the inward, right? <laughs> inward changes outward. Outward doesn't change inward. So uh, how to be modest. Shabbat says this, and I thought this was well put. The exact parameters of the requirement to dress modestly often depend on the time and place. But the basic idea for both men and women is to wear self-respecting clothing, clothing that does not demean the person within by overly accentuating the body as if it, rather than the soul, and its character and qualities is the primary element of personality. I thought that was really That's well put. That's a great put. point. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to show off my body parts, then I'm trying to make 
that be the accentuated part that overtakes the image of God that God created me as, and that's my personality now, or if I'm trying to wear the nicest clothes, cover up everything and look how holy I can be, then that also is showing the fact that I am not, I'm now accentuating my body in a different way um, and trying to make the status of my heart look and show a certain way. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to bring up Matthew 6 here because I thought this was just a great point. Um, it says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. And Jesus's point here is that it's, it's, he's, he's essentially equating having anxiety about what you're wearing to a faith issue. It's you're not having enough faith. Like consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they don't worry about their clothing. Animals are not worrying about what they wear. God provides. God will provide for you too. Stop worrying about what you're wearing and worry about your heart. Make sure that you're actually um, actually following God and not following the man-made standards of wear this suit. Make sure your shirt's white. Make sure, or make sure you're overly accentuating your body because you're proud of your sexuality and blah, 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 and those conservatives can go die. It's, it's none of that. <laughs> it's none of that. It's about what's in here. Oh. That escalated so quickly. <laughs> um, so when it comes down to it, when you really look at the Bible, it really does not teach a specific dress code besides like one area, which I'm going to get to here in a minute. But it does not teach a specific dress code, but it does teach mutual respect. And this is my biggest issue on both sides of the spectrum. So there is one, actually, I saw a photo uh, recently that said like, want to stop rapes? Then I'll like then get rid of mini skirts or something like that. It's a woman holding a sign. Get rid of rapes. Get rid of uh, mini skirts. And then you're so you're blaming the woman for the sexual assaulter. Mm -hmm. That is absurd. Blaming some blaming the woman for someone else's lust. It's his responsibility to lust, but it's your responsibility to show mutual respect. Mm -hmm. It's not your fault that you got raped, but it is your fault in a sense if you are not being respectful. Now I'm not saying it's your fault to be raped, but you know what I'm saying here. We have a responsibility to be respectful to one another, but also I have a responsibility not to lust. Mm -hmm. So there, there, that's why there's a two-way street on this, okay? I've seen people focus so much on modesty that they keep blaming what people are wearing for sexual assault, for lust. Oh, well, my husband lusts at other women. It's because they just show off their bodies. Well, no, he's not controlling where his eyes. Mm -hmm. Give but, him uh, some responsibility. Yeah, can't put it all, all, all on them. But also, the Bible clearly speaks about having a personal responsibility with your presentation as well. So if that's the case, then if I'm walking around with my genitalia hanging out, I can't be mad if someone looks at my genitalia. Is that, is that fair? I think that's fair. Because there's a mutual respect here. And I've noticed that this is... Uh, People who are raised in this extreme group of people that emphasize modesty want to say that, oh, well, then we can wear whatever we want because it's all a heart issue. My heart's right with God. If your heart's right with God, you're not going to be showing off your naked parts. Yeah, because that still comes down to a pride issue. Don't tell me you're, you're not sitting there in front of the mirror trying to make sure that your boobs are accentuated in the right way or that your muscles are showing the right way and then go, why? Why are they, why are they looking at me? What's their deal? I've literally seen girls do that where it's like they're, and I've heard girls, but like, I don't know why that creep is looking at me. I'm like, cause you're showing 80% of your body. If you don't want to be treated like a piece of meat, don't dress like a piece of meat. Now, again, I'm not saying again, that it's your fault if rape happens or that's your fault to be lusted after, but you do bear responsibility for how you present yourself. Again, that's a two-way responsibility. You, someone else has a responsibility of lust, and you have the responsibility of your heart showing properly. Okay, your, the outward appearance is is comes from the heart. So, but depending on my heart, and most people who wear that stuff, and people have admitted this. It's very openly admitted. You can look it up. A lot of people will show off their body because they want the attention. They want to be looked at. They want, I mean, I, I actually, my, I, my heart almost weeps every time. If you go on Instagram or Facebook and you see some young girl post herself in just whatever clothes, uh, showing off most of her body, and she's getting hundreds of likes, a bunch of teenage boys in the back and the comments going, oh, you're beautiful, you're this, you're that. I'm like, you are doing that for the attention, which means that's not modesty of the heart. Yeah, well, we've almost like, 
ruined the the kind of focus. And even when like we're talking to our daughters and talking to our friends, like, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, it's so beautiful. It's like, have you ever complimented them on their faith? Have you ever complimented them on on their walk with God? Have you ever complimented them on not being prideful? I think we're just even by just constantly complimenting beauty, we're we're saying, well, that's the most important thing. Exactly. And God's saying that's not the most important thing. I got you. Worry about me. Worrying about being right with me. Right. And if you're right with me, everything else will flow properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see this actually. So before people get all sorts of uh, the comment section, everyone's like screaming. Are people screeching at me right now? Uh, not that I see. Okay, good. Someone yelled shame. I think that was Ian. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get into that, I, I do want to mention a few things at, to read Ray. So I can't blame someone else for my sin. If I lust, I can't blame you for my lust, even if you're showing everything off. If you're showing everything off, I should have the wherewithal, wisdom, and self-control to notice you're showing everything off and avert my eyes. Yeah, and having the free will to do otherwise would be not looking at them. Exactly. That is otherwise. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to sit there and stare at her breast this entire time. I'm going to look at her in the eye, right? So I have to control my lust, but at the same time, you bear responsibility as well. So what, what are you, it's like, for example, if, I, if you were to get mad at me, all right, let's say you happens got- Happens all the time. Happens all the time. <laughs> you got mad at me, so you are responsible for your own anger. But if you got mad at me and I could choose to humble myself and walk away, that's my choice, and that's me making a choice not to respond to sin with your sin. But if I respond in anger back and punch you in the face- I'd like to see you try. <laughs> and I, So I punch you in the face. Well, now I am not doing my responsibility in that yep, relationship. you could have done otherwise. Because I could have done otherwise. So likewise with modesty is a two-way street. Hope this is clear because it's not we're blaming this person for the lust. No, the person's responsible for the lust. You're responsible, though, for how you are. If it's not clear, we'll just come up with 100 more analogies. Yes, <laughs> well, I just want to make sure I'm very clear, because this is one of those topics that people will be like, so you're saying that it's the woman's fault? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> We're threading a needle here a little bit, because there is the progressive side, which is like, you know, walk around topless because men are stupid and everything. And then there's the super conservative side, which is like, no, you have to follow the standard. If you're not, you're going to hell. Where are the potato sack? Where is your potato sack? It's not either of those things. Exactly. Newsflash. <laughs> also, the body's not something to be completely ashamed of. If you're So if you have a good figure... It doesn't mean that suddenly you have to find a way to cover every part of your figure. That can be really difficult to do depending on how you're built. The whole point is, am I at least being respectable? Okay, am I trying to be respectable? Um, I'll talk about more about that here in a little bit. So the big question is, what are you bringing attention to? Your body, if you're trying to bring attention to your body by either wearing the potato sack or by showing everything off, you aren't doing it right. Okay, what are you bringing attention to? Do you want to bring attention to your body? And then if you are, you're not being modest, you're being vain. Okay, you're being vain. All right, so there are two large extremes, as, we mentioned, as we've mentioned throughout. One group wants to say we can dress how we want to, devoid of responsibility, which is our, the, like, that's the free the titty crowd that you see at all the feminist rallies. Mm-hmm. We can dress however we want, devoid of responsibility. But if this were true, we would see naked people all the time. More people would become nudists. But you know, because God's law is written on your heart, that that's probably not the best thing to do. So that right there intrinsically shows that there is value to clothing in modesty. If this were also true, we wouldn't see the Bible bring attention to it at all. The Bible wouldn't mention some of these things. Yep. So... One group obsesses with how they dress so much that they sexualize the most innocent things, right? If a woman shows her shoulders, suddenly, oh, man, the man's going to lust after you because you're showing your shoulders. <gasps> oh, you showed your ankle or your kneecaps. He's going to lust after you. Now you're sexualizing kneecaps for crying out loud. Kneecaps. It's over your kneecaps. Kneecaps are ugly. Yeah, no kidding. I said it. I never saw a woman who had, like, her, her knees showing and went, oh, my gosh, them kneecaps. Except your wife, though, right? <laughs> Not even my wife. <laughs> that is not the sexiest part of that woman. Um, not her kneecaps. Sorry, babe. I don't think you'd be offended by that. I don't hear you screaming yet, so she's probably not watching. She, she's not she never fan. watches anyway or listens. <laughs> so 
Uh, also, saying that you have to protect the other people's lust because you're just a piece of meat is also a problem. Like, well, you're just a piece of meat. You're just people are just going to lust after you. Better cover that up because that's what you are. We're sexualizing everything, and you're just a piece of meat. It's all you are, woman. That's a real problem. And then you wonder why some of these people have issues with identity. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. So if this were true, again, Christ wouldn't blame us for our own lust. If what the, this focus on is true, God wouldn't tell us to look after a lust. And if we lust after a woman, it is to commit adultery in our heart already, which means to covet her, right? Not just because there's a difference between attraction and lust. Big difference. But mm -hmm. anyway, if this were also true, you're responsible for something you cannot control. Think about that. If you are the group that obsesses with how you dress and sexualize everything because of the way people look at you, then you are actually responsible for something outside of your own control, which would make God unjust. Yeah. How can you hold me accountable to something I can't control? So we are commanded to do that which is in our control, which is to be modest and respectable to one another, not being vain. Okay? So uh, the Bible also teaches that bodies are not something to be ashamed of and some things that are just reality. So when I say there is no dress code in scripture, that is not to say you get to walk around naked because the Bible specifically refers to nakedness as something that should be covered. What is nakedness? Can you define nakedness? That's where those, all the people, oh, this much above the thigh, this much above the knee, this much down the shirt, this much this. Historically speaking, if we are going all the way back, you trace it all the way back, there is one consistent standard which is not showing your, the, your boobs, your butts, or your junk. Okay? I think I can cover that and not do that. I think we can cover that. I, that's pretty much what, it's, what you is really referring to there throughout all of history, if you want to go historically speaking. But a lot of it is also cultural. So, but in no culture, really, outside of like, I mean, of course, you could say like the little uh, native areas where they wore like little thongs and their butt cheeks hung out all, the whole time, like in little villages and whatnot, or in Africa, where a lot of the times the women in certain villages would be topless. But consistently, throughout history, different cultures have all held that you at least cover your genitalia. But historically, in God's cultures, like Israel, it was always, always covering, like, boobs, butt, genitalia. So God's standard, I would say, would at least be those. So, in like, fact, he even made garments for Adam and Eve when yeah. they sinned. Actually, I was, I mean, you got ahead of me. I was going to, that was, that was, I stole your thunder. Dang it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the body also is not something to be flaunted around either. Paul likens sexual immorality to defiling the temple of God. So consider the parallel if you're exposing yourself everywhere. It's probably not far off from uh, defiling the temple. Is that a fair, fair way to put that? Yeah, I think, I think you're in the realm of, of truth there. Okay, like, <laughs> So if I have sex outside of marriage and I'm fornicating, he says that's defiling the temple. Well, then if I'm showing off half my entire if I'm showing off my entire body to the rest of the world, the only difference is right there is I'm not touching someone else's naked body, and also or there's no penetration to be graphic. You here. said that. I said that on our live stream. On a live stream. <laughs> Don't care. Dude, we're dealing with modesty. <laughs> what did what, you expect to come up? Sexuality That's is true. bound to come up. I'm actually surprised I haven't turned red yet. So I'm actually surprised, too. So there's a game, guys, we play in the comments, and you guys can try to play along. No, um, it's no. Fifty Shades of Brian. <laughs> Brian hates the topic of sex, and so uh, whenever it comes up, he turns super red. It's a lot of fun. So you guys, as you guys can poke the bear and see how red he gets. Um, anyway... Uh, so anyway, nowadays people really put their identity and their value, though, in their appearance. They really yeah. do, which is against if you go all the way back to the beginning of this, it all came down to a heart issue, not flaunting to be in vain, which means your identity is not in your appearance. Well, and it's even past just the clothes you wear, right? It's the car you drive. It's the house you live in. It's all about projecting this perfect life appearance, right? Look at me. Look how well I have everything together. I have this great job. I got the white picket fence. I have the sweet two-door car with the with the Hemi in it. Like all these things are just just different examples of look at me, look at me, look at me. Yep. And we're trying to project essentially this fakeness. And I talked about this on social media a little bit ago. That was like, guys, you need to be able to bear your faults, bear your concerns, bear your struggles, so that the rest of the church can bear them with you. Correct. If you are going to project this fakeness, 
which would be in what you wear and even what you have, then don't expect to have close relationships with people. And don't expect people to be there for you when you're going through a hard time. And don't be surprised, like, oh, no one's here for me. It's like, well, did you tell anyone? And it's not a gossip thing, like, oh, let me tell you what so-and-so is going through. Let's, no, you tell them what you're going through and what you need prayers for. Right. And they can tell you what situations they're going through. This is a tangent. They can tell you situations they're going through that, or that they went through, and they can help you. But again, if you're projecting yeah. a fakeness or putting all your identity in your appearance, you're not going to be able to bear one another's burdens. You're also not being modest. You're actually being very vain. You're being fake, and you're lying. And then I think, again, I go back to, like, all these kids nowadays on social media that are, like, posting themselves tr just trying to get likes for attention to feel important and valuable. The first time I saw the whole thing on Instagram, I'm st I still I got off Instagram because I hate it. Um, sorry, everyone who has liked stuff on there. I'm not on it anymore. But the whole, like, trading like for like that happens on Instagram with, like, teenagers, like, you like my picture, not like yours. It's like this, it's like this new currency that exists. And it's all, it's all a, a currency made on pride. Exactly. And to be fair, the only reason why I'm ever on Instagram is just to post memes and then call it a day. Just for the church split account. I'm never on my own. Like, I think the last one I posted, like, I went back and posted, like, a picture of Eliana when she was born at some point. It's like, oh, I should probably do that if anyone follows me on Insta that are friends and family that don't follow us on Facebook, yeah. I guess. That's I it. I hate it. I yeah, hate it. Instagram is terrible. It's awful. I actually hate that thing, too. So, all, um, also, so... Uh, people are, are, in the end, people are responsible for our own Christian modesty, and there's not a specific biblical dress code, but we are told not to be vain and not to bring unwarranted attention, and we are also told to keep our lustful desires in check. So it's a balance, and it's dual responsibility. But um, then there's other things that I wanted to make sure we talked about, like the other controversial, weirder stuff. Yeah. And that was the stuff you brought up um, when we took notes. So let's just jump into some of these other ones. Um, we had Exodus 28. That'd be a good one. Which one? Exodus. What? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. We should definitely talk about this. So just let's just read the verse first and then see if anyone's biblical literate enough to know the context here. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall, uh, they shall reach from the hips to the thighs. And if you just read this verse like, yeah, women, cover your naked flesh. How dare you be immodest? Until you realize who this is talking about, it's talking about Aaron and his sons. Oh. It's talking about men. So I got to get rid of my booty shorts? No, you can keep those. Oh. Andrew likes those. <laughs> uh, Andrew's workout shorts. I'll You're never, welcome, Andrew. <laughs> I'll never get over those. But you shall make for them linen undergarments, what? To cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs. And again, and thigh, by the way, is not referring to the very bottom of your knee. Okay, that whole area is your thigh. It's basically talking about, again, covering up your junk. Mm -hmm. There we go. So, um, all right. So, then the next part, I want to talk about Titus 2, 3 through 5. Can we pull that up here? Yep. Um, go. And go. All right. Want to read it for us? This is what, is, uh, what you selected. I'll let you take right. this one. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and, to, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. And the, the word here from this one that people pick out is pure, right? Some, some translations say modest. I mean, the, the word here is hognos, right? And it's talked about being chaste or modest, pure from carnality, um, immaculate, clean, right? It's talking about, again, your heart. It's talking about how you conduct yourself, that, that you're not being prideful, that you're not saying, look at me, look at me. And this is, and this is and, you know, Titus has a lot of parallels to First and Second Timothy, right, especially First Timothy. Um, Paul's essentially saying the same thing, just a, a different apostle or a different follower. And, uh, but, he's, but he's saying, look, women, help the other women understand this. Yeah. Right? And notice that entire verse is dealing with behavior as in the heart, like not giving to much wine. So she can't be a drunkard. So she can't be over there like intoxicated watching the kids. Yeah. But notice how it does say too much wine. So it's like you can have some, but just like lady, don't be a drunk. Um, not slanderers and gossips or slaves to much wine to teach what is good. And so to train up young women to love their husbands. These is all deal with heart issues. Yeah, these are practical things. So, again, 
people really just kind of take modesty and mean that it means to cover up skin, and that's not necessarily what it's referring to. Then 1 Corinthians 11, <laughs> 11 shows it's about culture significance and bucking the hierarchy God ordains, right? Yeah. So when it deals with like husbands and all that, it's, it's dealing with the cultural significance in, in bucking those things. For example, when it says like, hey, women, you don't obey your husbands, things like that. Yeah, don't come in with a buzzed head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what is, did he, uh, what, what is Stacy's standard? Yeah, so, you know, Stacey and I have kind of, my wife Stacy has kind of an interesting kind of um, thing. And she's like, because she wants to make sure that not only is she not being prideful, that also that I am not, as her husband, um, upset about what she's wearing. So her standard is, she's like, I think this is good. But her standard is, what do you think? And if I'm comfortable with it and she's comfortable with it, we're good. We're not, we're not worrying about what we're wearing. It's just, it's just a mutual discussion of, are we good with it? Exactly. And oftentimes, it's not me telling her not to wear that. It's her telling me, like, you look like a slob. Like, can you care, like, a little bit? <laughs> like, okay, I guess I've worn these jeans a few days. So. <laughs> so well, it's mainly because you were the guy who wore cargo pants in high school, dude. Yeah, to be fair, when I, when I first met my wife, like, my entire wardrobe cost, like, $17. There's this place called Stephen Berry's where you could buy the cheapest Michigan University apparel, Barry's. and that's all I wore. Everything I could buy with a $20 bill and get several things at one time. It was, I did not look great, and I was. It wasn't like I was being immodest. There, I was just like, I don't care. I do not care. And you also I still had no don't idea. Care. I didn't have any idea. You had no idea how to dress. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, and this is where it comes in. So when we're dealing with a lot of New Testament texts about modesty, it often is dealing specifically with it's dealing specifically with the heart, right? But then when we go to Genesis, why were Adam and Eve ashamed of their nakedness? Um, well, one, nakedness is can mean vulnerability, but also means you know sexuality. So clearly, no clothes was God's original design, mm -hmm. right? Us walking around with all our stuff hanging out and having a good time. It apparently wasn't a problem. But once we fell, what changed? Once mankind fell? Well, at this point, we had desires of good and evil because we had knowledge of both. We had knowledge of good and we had knowledge of evil. And once you have knowledge of something, you can desire something. So once you have those dual desires and the evil desire, what would, it, what would it, the evil desire do when there's nakedness? Well, one might feel shame or they might feel pride, feeling like they are looking really good, or they might feel lustful. So that's why God then created clothes for them, because at this point, they needed garments to cover up those areas. Yeah, God was li literally trying to help them not sin further. Exactly. Again, back to that dual road, that road of both. So your body is a temple. And as we mentioned before in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and where he says, or do you not... Oh, sorry. Were you going to pull that up? Yeah, I'll pull that up. All right, I can cool. find that, it. There it is. There it is. First um, Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And then Proverbs 31.30. I thought you nailed this when you pulled this one up. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So again, again, it's not what she's wearing, not how she looks. It's her. It's simply a matter of the heart. And so when we get to this now, when we're dealing with this, I think we need to deal with some of those other controversial parts. Uh, I don't think we we should talk about head coverings. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that verse up here, do no, we? I don't have that one. Okay. So head coverings. When the Bible talks about head coverings, you'll notice. Uh, well, actually, you did a. I'll let you do this part. You did a whole study on it for church at one point, so hopefully you can remember your study. Now you're putting me on the spot. Um, you know, this actually came up at our church. Actually, one of the one of the people that left was actually upset. They're upset because there's a guy that was coming to church and he'd wear a hat on, wear a hat in service. She's like, he is not supposed to wear a hat. Have you read First Corinthians? And we're like, okay, where's your head covering, lady? Because it says women need to wear a head cover. Well, blah, blah, blah. that's not what that means. A veil or just long hair or whatever. Okay. And then later she shifted. But she just admitted it's a cultural thing now, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it's funny because then later she shifted just to try to win the argument. She's like, well, maybe we should wear head coverings. Yeah. I'm like, okay, the next Sunday I expect you to be wearing a head covering. She never did. And she ended up leaving the church, yeah. with, uh, got a bunch of other people riled up. 
Uh, but she left the church. That was one of the church split situations that other people want to say, well, Will's a bad pastor. I'm like, well, okay, I guess because I didn't enforce head coverings, I'm a bad pastor. We contextualize. There's, a, there's actually a text part. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but the whole, the whole idea, you know, in First Corinthians that Paul's talking about is it's all respecting the hierarchy in the cultural setting. So when a woman came to church and she didn't have long hair, she, and that was culturally saying that she was, she was against her husband. She was bucking the hierarchy in the marriage, where she's saying, "Well, I don't need to. I don't need to listen to him. I don't need to 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 have this hierarchy relationship with my husband, and I'm just bucking the whole thing." And it was essentially a, using her hair as a protest against God through the cultural standards at that time. Exactly, and then also Paul does say her hair is a covering. Mm-hmm. So. When people are like, oh, you have to wear a head covering. It's like, well, Paul says her hair is a covering. It's all just about showing respect. It'd be like the equivalent of a wedding band. Like if somebody knew the fact that not wearing a wedding band would show that I'm in rebellion against my husband or wife. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, nowadays I think it's even less so because um, it's more about the covenant between the two. I can't get mine off, so I'm always good. It's because you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> you just fat shame me, Internet. I did just fat shame you. <laughs> Body shame. Also true. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, just hold your breath. <laughs> I can't See do how it. many shades of purple I, you become. I now. don't care because I'm not immodest. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that same concept, though, right? Like, it's yeah. the idea of, re- like, if I knew that removing my ring would show the fact that I'm dishonoring Callie, mm-hmm. or if, uh, you know, maybe somebody would be like, well, I'm not taking my husband's last name because screw him. Uh, that's, it would be kind of the same connotation, if that makes sense. Like, it depends. Again, it goes on the heart. It is a lot harder, I think, in America because we have a melting pot culture. So there's so much going on in our culture where people tend to less, be less presumptuous mm-hmm. um, about some of those things because you're like, I don't know, depending if they're conservative, liberal, somewhere in between this culture, that culture, north, south, what part of, are they from rural, are they from, whatever. <laughs> so it's a little bit more, uh, I think that's why we get so confused as Americans because they were a collective culture, and everyone pretty much abided by the same culture there. If you're using your dress, your appearance, to somehow bring, bring shame on God, trying to dishonor your spouse in church, then consider that immodest. Yep. Through Paul's standard to the Corinthians. Boom. All right. Now let's bring up the one that everyone brings up to talk about men and women and women not shouldn't wear, tr- men shouldn't, women shouldn't wear trousers. There we go. Let's pull this up. Here we go. Deuteronomy 22.5. Everyone's heard this before when this topic comes up. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does this thing is an abomination to the Lord your God. Okay. This Dress is code. I guess we're. I guess we, everything we said was wrong. <laughs> well, one, I do find it funny when people appeal to this verse, but then they don't follow the rest of the Old Testament laws. So first off, that's a straight-up hypocritical. But honestly, what it's dealing with here is when a woman, a woman shall not wear a man's garments, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. This is straight up dealing with cross-dressing. And cross-dressing deals differently in different cultures. During this time period, when you have the Babylonians, for example, they would try to f- make some of the male prostitutes look as feminine as possible. Yeah. So they would dress them very femininely. They would dress them femininely. They would show off body parts and things like that to try to entice people. So this is dealing with cross-dressing. Just like if I put on a woman's pair of jeans, everyone would know if I was wearing a woman's pair of jeans. And just like women that you can typically tell when a woman's wearing a man's pair of jeans, unless they're like the really baggy Levi's and everyone's just like, you're wearing saggy jeans. Um, if I wore dresses, people would know. But what's funny is that in Africa, for example, men would men to this day, one of their formal like outfits is a gown. They will wear a long gown. That's, but it, notice how it's a different gown than what the women would wear. Like, yeah. uh, especially in uh, their more formal cultures, like women will wear like a wrappy dress, like where it's literally like a wrap that wraps in a really cool way. And the men would wear a nice gown with like this cool hat. Um, cultures just dress differently for men and women. The whole point here is not cross-dressing. Why? Why is it dealing with this? Because it's dealing with the identity. Now, the Babylonians was mixing identity, right? It was mixing men can be women, women can be men kind of thing. Does this sound familiar? A little uh, bit. <laughs> Looking at you, progressives. Yeah. I, it's And why? Well, God's saying, no, I created you as a man. I don't make mistakes. I created you for a purpose. I created you as a woman. I created you for a purpose. I don't make mistakes. 
when you choose as a man that you want to be a woman or when a woman chooses she wants to be a man, you are denying the image of God in you. You're denying what God created you for. And you're denying all the roles that God created you for. Because that's one of the biggest problems when people say that, well, to be complementarian means that you're now a misogynist. That's just simply not true. Now, keep in mind, a lot of these conservative places say they're complementarian, but they're simply not. They're actually what we call like extreme headship view. It is not complementarian because it's not complementary when you have a dictator. Okay, that's not complementary. Definitions matter. Exactly. So just because someone tries to hijack the word and make it mean something that it doesn't mean, that's not what I mean. Okay, but this is where we could deal why God says this thing, because I have a certain role for you and a purpose for you, and I created you in my image and both genders. So this is what that's dealing with. That is not, not dealing with women have to wear skirts and men have to wear pants. You know why? Because Israeli men didn't wear pants. They wore long robes. It's a, this part used to trigger me so bad. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've heard because Jesus wore a long garment. A woman was able to touch the wing of it, remember? Jewish men wore long garments. It was also really hot in the desert. I'm sure that draftiness was kind of nice. It wasn't a suit. It definitely wasn't a suit. <laughs> and actually, they, uh, if you look it up, um, it's been a long time since I, I looked it up, so I, I used to have the names memorized of the different uh, garments. But it was really the biggest difference uh, when, when the war would, men would wear pants. It was actually almost, oh, it, not almost always, it always was undergarments. It was always considered underwear, and they were usually like shorts or like or a boxer kind of wrap. But bottom line is, it was not pants versus skirts. This simply wasn't. This is beyond first century. This is what three thousand, three thousand, two thousand, whatever BC. I didn't look up the date of Deuteronomy, but when you're dealing with all the way back to Abraham and all that, you're dealing with ancient, 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 ancient Judaism. Yeah. So. Anyway, it's just good to not look at that text anachronistically and try to apply our current standards and go, well, you know, well, I say that jeans are men's, so therefore women can't wear jeans. Well, that's just your definition. That's not actually culturally significant. Correct. And then we have Matthew 5.28, which we talked about earlier, but we wanted to mention this. Um, wait, was it 5.28? Oops. Sorry. I was right or did I just have that wrong? You had that. Nope, I just copied and pasted wrong. Oops. Oops. Second mistake. Dang it. My fault. 628 and then 528? Yeah, I had 628, but I think they're the same. But we can just read it. Whatever. So (laughs) um, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. So the sinner is the one who looks lustfully on another person. That doesn't make the other person sinning because they're immodest. Also, if you're looking at a woman with lust, let's be real. Is it, do they have to be immodest? No. No. If a person wants to be lustful and check somebody out and gawk at their body parts, they don't need somebody who's dressed <coughs> modest. In fact, what, what was it? Somebody pointed out that they'll never understand why uh, certain places think women are more modest in a skirt or a dress than they are in pants. Because most yeah, no. men would agree that a woman looks more attractive in a dress or a skirt than she is in jeans. Most of us, like, if she wears a nice skirt or dress, we're like, oh, my gosh, she's beautiful. That, why do you think it's a wedding dress <laughs> and not wedding pants? Let's just be honest here. <laughs> I've always wondered that, Will, and now we know. <laughs> just throwing that out there. There's certain things that accentuate a certain body type. Why do you think men wear suits? It puffs out the shoulders. makes us look stronger and buffer. It's, it's just, it accentuates your body part a certain way to make you look more exaggerated. Is mm-hmm. that a good way to put it? Yeah. Okay. All right, we're almost done here. Then Q&A. Uh, so clothing commandments for Aaron. Oh, you already pulled that up. Yeah, so we brought that up. Finally, then the last verse to talk about is Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 47, 2 through 3 is when we had Nathan Rager on, what he tried to use to justify uh, his standards. Take millstones and grind floor, grind floor, grind flour, put off your veil, strip off your robe, uncover your legs, pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered and your disgrace shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will spare no one. <laughs> who's not sparing? Who for, so who's not sparing anyone? God. Which also means that God is the one doing the uncovering and that your disgrace will be seen. I will take vengeance. This is God speaking here. And when he's saying that I'm going to do this, this is dealing with 
this is not dealing with a dress code. This isn't dealing with showing your thighs. This isn't dealing with dresses versus skirts versus pants. Yeah, put that verse back into context if you think this is a nakedness verse. Read all with Isaiah 47. What he's saying is that nakedness is a shame, right? Because that's vulnerability. So when you're naked now because of the fall of man, it brings shame upon us. So if it brings shame upon us, God says that he's going to make you barren and shame you before the nations. He's going to make you an example. This is speaking hyperbolically for what he's going to do. This is a disciplinary text, nothing else. So again, you put read Isaiah 47 in context, remove the idea of a dress code from it, and you'll definitely realize this is God saying that he's going to make an example of the nations and he'll spare no one. It's dealing with vulnerability and shame, not anything else. So anyway, that is that. Hopefully we covered that in a thorough enough and only about an hour. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. All right. Thank you all for tuning in to the church split. And again, my name is Will. This has been Brian. And we love you all. We'll see you all very soon in the next episode. So take care and God bless.